If the entire Western official knowledge and philosophy was created nearly exclusively by men, how can we call knowledge and philosophy created by women and other discriminated subjects? Should we call it feminist or queer? Is there something like queer feminist philosophy and aesthetics? And if so, what would it be more specifically? What if the entire knowledge considered universal was not universal at all, but created and circulated by a very narrow and very particular portion of society. Can it still be called just knowledge or just philosophy? Isn't it absurd if it excluded so many other subjects, including women, gay people, indigenous people or people of color, how can we still consider it universal and ideal without adding to it white, male, western, European, to situate it more specifically? If something like queer feminist aesthetic existed, And I'm certain it does. I would imagine it would try to undo what the patriarchal modes of knowledge production and philosophy based on domination and exclusion achieved. Not by discarding it, but by providing new ways of thinking and creating, by changing and replacing certain outdated paradigms, such as individualism, universality and singularity that our culture seems so fond of. Nothing in this world is an achievement of a singular person. And if there was something that queer feminist aesthetics should or could do, it would be to introduce and lead the undoing and unlearning of these patriarchal patterns and harmful and violent power structures. And to make space and recognize other modes of thinking and creating collective, collaborative, multiple, oral, inclusive, fair. And we don't even need to invent them from the scratch. There are already ways of doing things that were done in the past. For example, the artistic practice of creating new instruments developed by the composer, pianist and instruments inventor Lucia Dugoszewski stems from her deep disregard towards percussive instruments as they are known in the Western classical music tradition. Lucia Dugoszewski was very sensitive towards broader cultural meaning of percussive instruments and considered them violent and aggressive. She saw them as very masculine in the wrong sense. They reminded her of violence against women, something she probably witnessed, even if not directly in her own family, then in her environment, growing up in the working-class neighborhood of Paul Town in Detroit during the Great Depression. Especially with all the men staying at home, unemployed and fired from their jobs in auto plants, and with nothing to do. Dugoszewski not only devoted her entire composer's career to engage and further egoless sound possibilities, as she would call them, but also designed an entire set of new percussive instruments to overcome that legacy of Western percussive instruments that carried that specific patriarchal weight for her. She was very aware of the ways we touch things because she engaged with the philosophy of suchness that comes from Buddhism, which recognizes the essence of objects and operates beyond representation. She implemented this philosophy into her compositional practice and wanted to treat her instruments in the same way, with tenderness and care, recognizing their agency. She designed around 100 percussion instruments that were later built by the sculptor Ralph Dorazio and stored by the percussionist Bill Trick in his loft. An entire universe consisting of various rattles, square drums and ladder harps made from wood, skin, glass,
paper and metal. Her feminist agenda was manifested through the ways she contested Western classical music tradition and its universality. Her lifelong collaborations with other artists that deeply informed her practice. The ways she contextualized tenderness, intimacy and fragility in her music, which she explicitly considered feminist, and her artistic strategies to think outside composers' ego. <laughs> 